Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. I'm Rebecca Rothstein, and along with my co-host, Leanne Daly, we'd like to welcome you to Say It Forward. Each week, we'll be doing one of my favorite things to do, and that's interviewing interesting people with out-of-the-ordinary life stories. They're all people who took a different path in life. Some never imagined the heights they would achieve, and others, well, they turned their childhood dreams into reality. So let's begin. Adrienne Gary is a successful entertainment executive who has spent her career developing human resources into cohesive and successful organizations. For over 25 years, Adrienne has worked closely with CEOs and business leaders at the top entertainment and media companies in the world, including Fox, Warner Brothers, and Miramax. She was responsible for all aspects of organizational design, compensation, talent management, and strategy. At Fox, she was named one of the most powerful women in the entertainment industry. As global head of HR at Warner Brothers Entertainment Group, she was responsible for building their human capital organization throughout the world. Founder of Gary Consulting, Adrienne provides her expertise on human capital. Her clients include startup organizations and established companies, assessing their business needs to effectively align the organization with their goals. Her people-first philosophy brings dynamic teams together to operate at the highest level and build a climate that breeds success. So let's rewind to the beginning and say it forward with Adrian Gary. Welcome, Adrian. Thank you. So we want to start at the beginning. What does the early part of your life look like? I moved when I was a young girl from New York to California. I have a brother. He is my wonderful sibling. I had a normal family life, and we lived in West Covina, California. And at the time, West Covina was all orange groves and walnut groves, and you stayed out, you know, late into the night, not late into the night, but kids riding your bikes on the street. No one was ever concerned about what we now have to go through. And it was great. So I went to parochial school, and when I graduated from high school, I said, I have to get the heck out of here. <laughs> out of West Covina? Or yes. Out of, you out know, of parochial it was, school. <laughs> right. What were your observations yeah. that made you come to that conclusion? Um, very conservative folks, beautiful area, but I wanted to see the big city. I wanted to be around a lot of interesting people. I really wanted to see what the other part of the world was like, and I did not want to be an agriculture or a farmer. Yes. Why did so, your parents yeah. come from uh, New York to California? For their, you know, adventure. You uh, were little then, right? Uh, I was two and a half years old when oh. we came to California, and we drove across the United States. And I swear to God, I still remember in my mind a picture when we were in New Orleans. I didn't know it at the time it was in New Orleans. But um, yeah, we took that family vacation, but we came to California. And my mother's parents were here in Los Angeles. And she had two sisters who were also here in Los Angeles. Was she from here? No, my entire mother's side of the family came to California several years before my mom and dad wow. decided to come to California. See, and what were they doing here when they came? My mother... Uh, was a mechanical engineer. Wow. And my father was also an engineer. 
and talk about going through all of the challenges of women, she really had stories to tell. And I asked her once, you know, why did you decide to become an engineer? And she told me that she didn't want to be surrounded by women all the time at work. (laughs) That's so cool. What was it in your youth that gave you a glimpse to the sort of interest, quote unquote, interesting people, the city life? Was it comprised of actual experiences or people or was it stuff you saw on television and in movies? More the television and going to the movies, Mm -hmm. you know, breakfast at Tiffany's, although Mm -hmm. that line of work was a little different. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, my family were very much middle class. I had one aunt or was my mother's cousin, but coming from an Italian family, they're all aunts or uncles. And she was a fashion designer. She made the most beautiful clothes. And I thought that that's what I wanted to do. And as my journey continues, I go to Woodbury in downtown Los Angeles, and my major was going to be in fashion design. It was. And after the first semester, I said to myself, (laughs) you will starve to death if you follow this passion. And I was so passionate about Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And I switched my major to business and I don't regret it. But I still love the flair of, you know, dressing up or, you know, having nice clothes. Maybe it was just a combination that, you know, I saw this aunt. And the the taste level, too. The the fact that you had trained your eye probably really helped you in the business that you're in as well. Well, it is a creative business, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's so interesting, though, that you identified that and were able to, um, you you know, to change midstream because you were young. I mean, at that point in time, you were probably, I'm going to guess, 20. And to probably have the insight. a little younger, but I didn't want to starve to death. See, I had this vision that I wanted to really make it in this world. My, my mom and dad were wonderful. They promoted my journey because they gave me the incentive to do whatever I wanted. And part of that was I want to have enough money to do whatever is or was that I wanted to do. One thing that I always have believed in, you have to be passionate about what you do, and you got to take some risks. And I did take a risk. I realized that it was the wrong decision, the degree that I thought I was going to get. Um, and, you, you know, I switched to being a business executive eventually, got out of school. And, I, again, I have no regrets. Not at all. Now, is and your mom worked during your childhood doing she the work sure that did. she did. She must they have both been did. super bright, both of them. Really fun woman. Uh, unfortunately, both of them have passed on, but they instilled in me I could do anything I wanted. I invite myself to lunches and dinners, and I really believe that my success, besides having wonderful mentors in the C-suite, was that I really develop relationships with people at every level in the organization. And I think that's important because you feel more comfortable when you know the person and you work with them and you also go to dinner with them or lunch with them. I think that's so important, Mm -hmm. and that's certainly been part of my success. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to Uh, your journey. So now you're out of school. Parents still alive. You haven't met that lovely husband of yours yet. Well, sort (laughs) of. I am in a job at uh, U.S. Industries, and at the time, they were very much involved with mergers and acquisitions. 
I had Zippo knowledge of it, but I wanted to learn. And it was really fun. And I think that has really been important for me because it provided me some really analytical tools that I use today and and what I'm working on. And I became associated with an organization, the Association for Corporate Growth. And suddenly, I'm in a sea of men, maybe 75 strong, and there was elections, and I became the treasurer of this organization. And I think that really helped me a lot, but these guys saw that I was serious about what I wanted to do, and I was introduced to some guy from Ernst & Winnie, and um, he asked me to become a consultant for them in organizational strategy, again, not knowing a hell of a lot about it. (laughs) But those tools that I learned at U.S. Industry really carried me. So I joined Ernst & Winnie, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I was in Los Angeles. I met some gentleman, and I thought that he was the one for me. And unfortunately, he was not. And I was married to him for five years. I traveled all over the United States with this phenomenal consulting job, put him through law school. And then he dumped me, which was good for me because it humbled me. And I... um, Never want to go to the state of Texas because that's where we live. (laughs) My journey continued, and there was a consulting assignment, a request for proposal from Warner Brothers. And um, they were looking for some organizational help. And at the time, most of the studios were violating every law on the books with (laughs) discrimination or fairness and all that stuff. So um, I interviewed with these guys because my next assignment as a consultant was going to be in Nome, Alaska (laughs) for a for-profit hospital that was owned by some Indian tribe up there. And I said, we're starting in August. We're never going to be done by Christmas. I'll be snowed in there. I don't want to stay. We got the job. And they asked me as I was doing this project, look, I think we really need a personnel executive. Do you know anyone? And I said, I'll think about it. And then I said, aha, here's my route to get out. So I said, I might be interested. I knew little or nothing about personnel. And I didn't like the name anyway. And I don't know if it gravitated to human resources. But I was very fortunate to join the company. At the time, Frank Wells was the president of the company. And unfortunately, you know, he passed on. But he laid the ground work for having two phenomenal men becoming the co-chairmans of the company. One, Bob Daly, who is still my mentor to this day, and I've been gone from Warner Brothers at least 20 years. And the other one was Terry Semmel. And, you know, the rest, I think, is history. I worked for them for many years. When I started, there were 700 employees in the company. And when I left, there were 43,000 employees all over the world. And I traveled extensively. What did you love about you? Oh, people. See, that's the thing okay. that I absolutely love. So if you give me a challenge and say, we need to put a company together and you need to find people and we need to have a strategy about the business plan, that's what I love the most. And I've thought about it at times. Well, maybe I should have done something else. But my anchor 
are people. I really enjoy meeting people. Um, I am not shy. I think I'm pretty social. But to me, the, the thing that really makes me tick are people. And the people at Warner Brothers, to this day, they're still friends of mine. Um, and that's important. And the staff that I had, gosh, around the world, there were like 150 people that were part of my group. I could call any one of them that I'm still in contact with and say, hey, look, it, I've got this new assignment. You want to join me? And they will. And I think that that is a real great thing for me that people enjoyed working with me and I enjoyed working with them. What made you great at it? Well, this is my idea. You should ask those people. (laughs) But I think I also enjoy mentoring and I enjoy developing people to their highest potential. I think I'm pretty good at judging people real quick. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a needed Um, asset to have. I am passionate about what I do. No question about it. And sometimes people will think I'm animated. I'm not really. It's just that's part of who I am. I think that that's what makes me unique and different. And I love to engage someone who really doesn't know whatever it is that I want them to do. And I really try to help develop them. So if you're motivated and you're intelligent, I'll take on anybody. And that's been really what I've done my entire professional life. Let's go back because we skipped over the part about Michael. So (laughs) I left Ernst & now it's called Young at the time. I left them on a Friday and I met the love of my my life. I'm getting emotional. (laughs) Next day. And I started at Warner Brothers Monday. So... My journey changed in 72 hours. Can you believe that? (laughs) I hope you don't mind. I don't want to embarrass you and make you cry. But would you please tell our audience what he does in your car every morning before you leave for work? Okay. Because this, by the way, before she tells you, we're all going to be crying. Oh, my gosh. There are no tissues in this room. I I use this example. I tell everybody (laughs) that Michael is the standard for the greatest husband. I've got to piece things together. I stayed at Warner Brothers. Bob and Terry leave because they don't like what AOL is doing, and many of us leave at the same time. So I consulted for a while, and then I was introduced to Tony Vinsequera, who is now the chairman of Sony, but he was the chairman of the Fox Networks group, so next studio. And Michael, my husband and the love of my life, decided that he was going to put a CD in my car so when I turned the ignition on and I drove down the street to Fox that it would be the song that would start this wonderful exercise every single morning and has been for the last 10 plus years so the song was back in the highlight again and (laughs) he does themes Um, so for today and I haven't heard it but he told me about it he said well, it's about radio because a lot of people listen to podcasts on the radio. I mean, this guy has an incredible mind. Or if it's Christmas, um, I know there's going to be Christmas music. But on Monday, this past Monday, because I'm starting this new journey as this consultant, guess what the song was back in the highlight? And I just said, man, I am so friggin' lucky. Yeah, He's fantastic. Yeah, he is. He's, He's a good guy. When he told me this story, this was many years <laughs> ago amazing. that I heard this story, 
I've held that standard for every single guy. <laughs> yeah. Does any guy do that? And the answer is no. It is just <laughs> wonderful. And and he and he's in, madly in love with her. Oh. And you're how long are you married? Um, last Sunday it was 34 years. Oh, wow! Congrats. Yeah. yeah, and it has been. And he's so smart, so bright. He's an unbelievably bright guy. That is absolutely true. And he's got this memory. He should have been in the music business because he has so many CDs. And now he cheats a little bit. He goes on the internet to find the song and pull the CD. But, I mean, how can he remember all What's this he stuff? Do? He's a litigator. Ah, fierce. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting just to take a moment and just, you know, for people out there struggling or younger people, your life can change in Overni- 72 hours, in overnight. All of my journeys have been interesting. There's, of course, disappointments along the way. Um, but all in all, I have a real positive attitude. And, you know, this past July, I left because I don't believe that the future of this company, Miramax, was going to align with what I wanted to do. And just when things were getting really interesting and we thought we were going to get money from their owners, I'm not really sure that that's going to happen. But I was really disappointed. I was bummed out. Um, But I had more people calling me to ask if I wanted a consultant, you know, my my discipline. And it just made me a stronger person. It made my confidence barometer go way up. Now, let's go back. Okay. You, you meet Michael, fall in love, get married, and have a fantastic child. Yes, but that wasn't until five years later. We dated for five years. And my dad said, for God's sakes, <laughs> get rid of him. Or why don't you become president of Warner Brothers? And, you know, for my father to say that, that influenced me. I mean, I've had parents who were always there pushing me. Well, I would rather marry Michael Douglas Dempsey than become president of Warner Brothers. (laughs) And um, we have this wonderful daughter. We have just one child. And she is lovely. She lives in San Francisco. She just finished her master's in business, but an emphasis in food and wine marketing. Mm. We've encouraged her throughout her entire life, and she saw examples that her mom and dad were endlessly passionate about what they wanted to do, and so was she. To be enthusiastic about what you do gives you a reason to want to go to work every day. Mm -hmm. And the joys that you have by being enthusiastic are, you you can't even count how many joys there are when you have that. And I think that people lose that joyousness over time, it just kind of wears you down. And then you have to remind yourself, oh, well, this is pretty good. It's not as bad as it may seem. I want to go back. Um, when you, you said Frank Wells was a mentor, were you working for him when he died? No, he had left and gone to Disney. And that's what made me continue on because I knew they had my back. Well, a little bit earlier today, we were talking about your moment, because it's really a moment that you had gone from the company that you were that you just left and are now considering consulting for a new company Mm -hmm. and what that experience was like not having to get up in the morning and look as beautiful as you do today. How did you find that? It has been about a month, maybe six weeks. The first Monday that I was a free agent, I got up at 5.30 like I always do, exercise. I had breakfast, lunch, drinks with somebody and a dinner, which my husband joined. 
and I continued that to the end of the week. I hated going home. I tried to use the time of mentoring people. Um, I network like heck, and I just really didn't like it. And although there's some benefit, I'm not that kind of a person. I love working. When did you embrace the path that you were on and really know that this was something that you loved doing and that you were really good at it? Mm. What set you apart from other people? Boy, I haven't thought about that in a long time. I was having lunch with Bob Daly one day, and he said, do you ever want to be in operations? And I said, you know, Bob, I have thought about it, but the thing about it is I love building companies, and I love using the anchor of people. I am not giving you a line of baloney. I love working with people. And we had a long discussion about it, and I just kept it up. And I kept traveling throughout the world for him. And I've met so many interesting people. I decided, you know what, maybe this HR thing isn't so bad. But I'm a unique type of HR executive. I think that way back when, when I was working at Ernst & Young and was an organizational strategy consultant, I think that really established a foundation that I was different than some of these other people that we encounter that have the title, you know, HR executive. I want to be a strategist. I want to sit down at the table and say, okay, we need to change this organization structure around. What is it that we need to do? And how do we do it with the current staff? Or should we look at what the goals are that you want to achieve and then go, well, if we want to achieve these goals, we're going to have to get people with these types of experiences and, and backgrounds. And I think that sets me apart. I mean, my last title at Miramax was uh, head of organization strategy and administration. I practically ran the place. And, you know, titles to me don't really mean much. It's what you do with the task at hand. So I think it was that conversation with Bob Daly that really cemented that I was where I was supposed to be. But how do you cultivate that vision of what the strategy should be? Where do you pull that information from? You look at the goals of the particular division. That's really important. People forget about that. And you look at the due diligence and what you need to achieve. What do they have in their organization? I'm going through this right now. And unfortunately, after a week, I realize they have little or nothing, um, which is a real challenge for me. But you look at what you want to achieve. And then you look and start developing an organization chart. And then you start thinking about the type of people that you want to have in these organizations. And I don't do it all by myself, believe me. I've been lucky lucky enough to have staff. But you work with the business units. That's very important. But you're only going to be as good as the people that are overseeing the whole thing and they're going to listen and they're going to go along with you. Otherwise, you're fighting an uphill battle. Well, that is true, but... Think back, this gentleman that I was reacquainted with after, you know, many years of not working with him, you know, he calls me up and says, I'm, you know, I've just become, you know, CEO of this organization. Can you help me integrate it? You're not going to go with somebody that, right. you know, you think is yeah. a dud. Right. And I've done that. I've done that with Warner Brothers. I've done this with Fox. And now I'm consulting in an area doing the same thing. And 
I think my experience you know speaks for itself. Yeah. I'm thinking more in the bigger you're trust, companies. You're trusted. You know, way back if if you have all your different divisions within Warner Brothers, how are you going to get everyone to work together? Because some things may not be as great for one division as another, but in the overall strategy, it's going to work. I have to think there's some resistance. Well, why in- do you have to be identical? I don't think you have to. There was an acquisition, Time Magazine and Warner Communications at the time, and boy, their philosophy in life was totally different. And the two groups couldn't agree on the day of the week. But then, wait a minute, why can't they retain their own profile and Warner Brothers retains theirs? You don't have to be alike. You just have to be on the same page or on the same roadmap. And Bob Daly was really good at communicating and Terry Simmel as well. So if you communicate to your population what it is that you want to achieve and people all feel they're invested and they have a piece of the company, I think you can achieve many things. You don't have to be identical. You know, there were no journalism um, executives at Warner Brothers, but there sure were a lot of them at Time Inc. What you're saying is so profound. It's really your that the vision that you have and the way that you just said it is so profound. You clearly have the insight into not creating a cookie cutter organization and giving people the autonomy to do their jobs and to do them well, but to do them cohesively. That Very is big. it. So this is a really great little story. So Warner Brothers had not a very successful television group. And so they acquired Lormar. Lormar not only had great television, but they had other things, engineering and movies. So my task, and I created an operations committee, and I told Barry Meyer he was going to be on the committee, and da-da-da-da-da-da, and we worked in harmony. At the end of the acquisition, and we treated everybody with respect and dignity, whether they were going to stay or they were going to go, Warner Brothers made the decision that the Lormar Television Group was far more advanced and successful than the folks at Warner Brothers. Enter Les Moonves, and Les took over the the group. We moved it over to Burbank, and the people from Warner Brothers, some of them got into other positions within the company, but there were 650 people that were terminated with this acquisition, and there wasn't one lawsuit. That's saying a That's lot. That's huge. Yeah. That, in my yeah. opinion, is big. It's um, about communication and it's about respect. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah. Boy, Les has gone on to have some career, hasn't Ooh. he? And a smart, bright guy. And liked. You know, oh, God, yeah. Respected and loved, actually. I yeah. think that you look across the years at executives who have been in the role that he's in and he just year in and year out just makes the right moves is beloved by the people Mm -hmm. who he collaborates with it's amazing he's an amazing guy and if i needed something from less today and called him he'd take my call i haven't talked to less in 10 years yeah yeah but that's important it is doesn't matter what position you have in a company or in life. Yes, there are people that don't want to work crazy hours like me, and that's okay. And they can be dedicated to other things that I'm not involved with. But you have to treat everybody with respect and dignity. And who gives a fig what title you have? Yeah. Because you can learn from everybody. 
Well, I mean, in that you see it a lot in the music business. You have these young interns starting, young, bright kids coming up, mm-hmm. and they get dismissed often. And before you know it, there's like somebody's boss or whatever. And I can't tell you the number of times that they've I've had to deal with them when they actually are quite senior somewhere else going, I remember you were the one that always stood up for me or you know didn't Good just dismiss you. me. And so yeah. that comes back. Yeah. That Absolutely. always comes back to you. The experience that you had just now leaving the job that you were in when the management change came and Mm -hmm. the whole structure, were you surprised? It doesn't seem to me that after this conversation that you were honored the way that you should have been with the experiences that you had. But it taught me something, didn't it? And it's put me into a new opportunity that I'm very happy about. Um, I saw it coming. Oh, boy, did I see it coming. And when this new management came in and decided within four days to eliminate a third of the population. Um, And, you know, I really fought the new management that I didn't think that they were making the best decisions. I knew right then and there that it was a very short period of time before I would leave. And I was right. But I learned something from I have absolutely no problem with accepting what happened. I'm fine with that because it has allowed me to go into something else that I'm so excited about. And you would not have this new opportunity and a new new set of experiences had you not um, been in the circumstance where you were leaving, whether you chose to or not chose to. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, let's not weep over what's happened. Forget about the past. Of course, learn from it, but move forward and look at the future because you can make the future whatever you want. You have the insight to understand that what happened happened, and what am I going to take from this as a learning experience, and what am I going to do to go forward? And you're not letting it have sour grapes. And once it's done, it's done. You know, there's a certain amount of mourning that you can do, and then you're done, you move on to something else. You know, I've always put people before me, and I think that that's important. A lot of people want to be the one that shines. I have never felt that because I think that my personality and my intellect will shine in itself. But if I can help people get to where they want to go, I think that's a major accomplishment. You were talking about your daughter, and you said, um, and she's going to go out and do good in the world like I have. Mm-hmm. And the ownership that you take of the fact that you have done good in the world, of putting people first, mm-hmm. is such an authentic thing coming from you. Have you not read Miss Rumphus's book? <laughs> <laughs> I am not kidding you. There is a children's book called Miss Rumphus's, and she believed in leaving the world a better place. And she's somewhere on a seaside and she gets very, very sick. Before she gets sick, she throws seeds of flowers out on these cliffs and she's sick for a very long time. And the book goes on or the story goes on that in springtime, she's better and she starts taking a walk and she sees these beautiful flowers that she she has sowed these seeds. And that was a very favorite book of my daughter and I reading together and that is still on the shelf in her bedroom at our house which you know of course she doesn't live there anymore but i believe in that so see i learned a lesson by reading a 
a little story to my daughter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you've got to leave the world a better place. Mm-hmm. I think, too, the other thing that's always been a quality that you've had since I've known you is the amount of integrity that you have. You've always had that since the minute I met you. You're a person that just screams integrity. When I tell my children, you know, the kind of person when I was raising them, what I wanted them to be, you know, making certain that your word was good, making certain that you had integrity, that you thought about other people before you thought about yourself. We have the opportunity as parents to spread forth what we would like to leave behind us. Mm -hmm. And we'd like to leave behind us children that follow those same kinds of constructive points of view. You know, there's that old expression about paying it forward. Mm-hmm. You know, you've paid it forward. I mean, I know so many people that know you. I was at the grill with you not that long ago, and everybody, oh, you know, <laughs> hugging you, kissing you, you know, including Pam. Yeah, leaving that restaurant with you that day was a little bit like leaving with the queen. <laughs> and every single person there knew you. You remembered their names. How are you? What's but see, it goes back to I really like people. Yeah. Mm. And I really like people, too. I just don't have the capacity <laughs> well, that you have whatever. to remember. <laughs> you, you know, and also upstairs when I met you for the first time, I was introduced to you and you wanted to know my name. You mm-hmm. wanted to know that you knew my name. I want you to feel comfortable with me. Mm-hmm. And the only way that you will be able to do that is if you think I give a hoot. Mm-hmm. And I do go back to I really like people. Mm-hmm. But you got to prove to others that you're genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. This has been so fun. Really? It's been so great. This is yeah. awesome. Yeah. You're I a had delight. I time talking to It's great. Friends. You are so lovely. Thank, Thank you. you so much for yeah. your time. We had a wonderful interview with you. Thank you. I really enjoyed being here Thank you. this morning and uh, sharing my life with you. Next time, get ready for a true music pioneer. His career spans more than four decades. As the co-founder of Devo, Jerry Casale created one of the most unique and original bands in the history of rock music. In the early 70s, Devo was making new wave music long before other bands and created a new type of music and stage show combining science fiction, outrageous wardrobes, deadpan surrealist humor, and satirical social commentary. In 1980, their rise to stardom rocketed with their platinum hit single, Whip It, and their video became an MTV smash. Devo has sold millions of records worldwide. Jerry is not only a singer, songwriter, record producer, and multi-instrumentalist, he's a successful advertising and music video director, including spots for Diet Coke and Honda, and has directed music videos for such iconic bands as Rush, Soundgarden, and the Foo Fighters. Besides touring, making records, and putting on legendary performances, Jerry's passion for food and wine inspired him to become a wine vintner who's launched his own boutique wine label named The 50 by 50. So join us when we rewind to the beginning with Jerry Casale on the next Say It Forward. Thanks for listening to Say It Forward. Help us grow by subscribing to our podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or at www.sayitforwardpodcast.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes store or like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 